folks, I'm Jeremy. You're listening to Blamo. How you living? How you doing? God, I've been uh, I've been running a lot lately, and of course, uh, you know, gotta take some pics while I run. Because if uh, you don't take a pic, how will anyone know that you did it? But it's been it's been fun to do again. And uh, one thing, some advice a friend gave me: I don't keep track of my mile times anymore. I just run to run. I actually I more run to eat. But it's it's been fun. To, to try and do something that doesn't have an analytic attached to it. You know what I mean? Like you just you just throw in some tunes, you got some cheap trick, you got whatever it is, and uh, you pound the pavement. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of something in the air with that because I've also really been enjoying bad TV. And when I mean like bad, I mean TV that uh, it isn't really like produced. Like it's not the new Game of Thrones, right? Like I watched that Netflix show. I guess it's a BBC show, Glow Up, where people critique makeup. And if you do a good job, the judge says you get a ding dong. Like, I, I shit you not. Like, that's the thing. She's like, you ding dong. Like, it's a, it's a great show. But I don't know. Like, maybe this speaks to how stressful the rest of the world is, that the things I'm in love with right now are more or less meaningless. I mean, that's, I don't know. Heavy, right? Oof. Okay. This is a, this is a week we get a bit weird. I, I spoke with Dr. Appa this week, and he's been someone... I've been following and paying attention to over the years from his near daily vlogging on Instagram to dropping knowledge bombs about dental health and critiquing veneer placement. I mean, it's a fascinating individual. We met almost a year ago now, and we've hung out a few times, and he's, he's just, yeah, I mean, he's just an incredibly fascinating individual. And uh, yeah, we, so we did a pod, and man, we, we went all over the map. And I really enjoyed this a lot. And while it might be a bit off the beaten, you know, blamo path, it's actually kind of not. Like like most guests, he's into clothes, he's into watches, he's into beautiful things, but he's just got a wild, wild story. And, you know, one thing, as you'll hear, we, we did start to run out of time towards the end. And we did a part two, which, you know, I'll, I'll drop and I'll, I'll let folks listen to. Because usually, like, when I do podcasts with people, I have, like, five bullet points. Instead of having my questions, you know, like, oh, you need to answer this. And, like, we just, like, press record and we go. And we went. <laughs> it was it was great. It was a great pod. Uh, I'm very pleased to bring this to you. And uh, as you'll hear, there'll be, a, there'll be, like, a little part two that we have. There's some extra stuff in there that we'll have. Um, but uh, I hope you enjoy this. Here's my pod with Dr. Appa. Talk to me about the Appa Aid. Okay, so truth be told, I used to drink iced tea. Okay. Crystallite iced tea from, yep. from my mother way back when. Okay. Right? So summertime, there was always a pitcher. How old are you? 10. 10, okay. Yeah. A pitcher of lemonade. Yeah. Oh, sorry, iced tea in the refrigerator. Where are you from? Upstate New York. Okay. Saratoga Springs. Um, then I met my wife, and she used to drink lemonade. Yeah. And when we would run out of one, I would put the other in. Okay. So then I started mixing. So one packet fits perfectly in a, whatever the smaller Fiji bottles are. Yeah. Yeah. Two packets fits perfectly in the one liter bottle. Okay. So if I was one packet short and I didn't have any smaller bottles, I would grab a lemonade instead of two iced teas and was born the Apeade. Apeade. There you go. You can have that. That's all you. Yeah. It's pretty good though, correct? It's, it's incredible. Okay. It's incredible. It is a secret. And I'll tell you something else. I drink it every day when I'm done with work, and then I make another one when I get home. So I drink two liters of water at night uh-huh. or in the afternoon. Yeah. 
And whenever I get a picture or I post something on Instagram, you'll always see the bottle around. And people ask me all the time, yeah, what is in the bottle? Because they think that I well, have some they like, magic mix of Powerade that I'm getting my energy from. But it's just Crystal Light. I would have pegged you for the, the Celsius guy. Right? Isn't but that isn't I'm, that the cool I'm, guy LA LA drink? I'm so anti all those energy drinks. You and you and Jonah Hill drinking Celsius at the beach. <laughs> I should be a Celsius rep and get some cash off of it. But other than right? that, no. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, there's there's a certain. I, it's funny because I think there's a certain stigma about people and the beverages that they are traveling with. And I'm actually very serious about this. I think you're absolutely correct. <laughs> and it just goes to show you. And I'm going to tell you something else. It's very dirty. Right. I drink Diet Coke. Yeah, welcome to the club. Yeah, so, because we're probably of the same generation. I think so. How old are you? 36. All right, so I'm a little older, but still, we grew up with Diet Coke and crap. Yeah. All right? And Kool-Aid, man. Had, yeah, Kool-Aid. I had Kool-Aid in my household. God but bless But we, we, like, graduated to Crystal Light. Like, we were fancy. And well, because everyone told you, hey. Kool-Aid was going to rot your teeth out. Yeah. Right. So you're like, all right, sugar-free, Crystal Light. Funny you find yourself here in this position. I know. <laughs> now we know the truth about everything, but- Celsius, I feel like, is a much hipper, and I am not that hip. Mm -hmm. Like, I am so not hip that I still drink Diet Coke and Crystal Light. How are you saying you're not hip? You're traveling around the world. You got a world timer on your wrist. You got a dental practice. Because I'm not hip. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of old. I'm getting but, old. But maybe you're in that sort of level where isn't it more cool to be not cool? To, like, pretend? Because I feel like there's this also thing where people, you know, you're all hanging out. And everyone's talking about what you're watching. And yeah. somebody at the table says, ah, I don't watch anything. And then they're like, whoa, what is this person doing with their life? Then where they can't dump, you know, 12 hours a week into some sort of streaming platform. I bet, uh, I'll tell you where I'm coming from. Okay. I bet George Clooney drinks Diet Coke. And that's the kind of school that I am I'm yeah. into. Yeah, but that's, that's pretty good aspirations, yeah. George Clooney. Yeah. George Clooney also. I don't find him super hip. I find him like old school. It's a standby. Yeah. Whereas I think Jonah Hill would be drinking Celsius. I mean, he that's his that's his vibe, and he's probably hip. He's me not. Well, but Jonah Hill, and we're, we're, I promise you, there's a there's a connection to this. Jonah Hill's thing, though, is also it's almost biblical in the sense that you're sort of outside the world, but reflective in it. Because like Jonah Hill is a big style guy, yeah. but he doesn't say he's a style guy. He's like, no, I'm a I'm a positivity guy. I'm about being positive and happy with with how you look. That is hip. That is not me. Okay. I'm going to tell you. So those people also sh like come up with those verses to say the same thing that I'm saying. Except mm -hmm. I'm going to say it the Diet Coke way, which is very blunt and honest. Very blunt and right? honest. Right? You see the, you know see what I'm saying here? Yeah. No, I, I get it. Yeah. So, so walk, walk me through some of this stuff here, because I think for many people, and especially probably a lot of people hearing this, yeah. their interactions with you are mostly all documented through the you know, your incredible social media that you've, you've really, you know, blossomed over the, over the ages here? Um, well, first of all, I think let's all agree that social media is a curation of what you want people to see. Okay. And it is not real life. No, yeah, that's, right? I agree. I okay. agree. Um, and I think for us, what everyone has to have a, a, let's, let's call it a, a theme on their social media page. Mm -hmm. Mine is hard work, great result. Mm -hmm. Right. Again, very old school. Who told you that? I just think that a lot of people that are entrepreneurs are not. You air quoted that just for, yeah. for listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Are not thinking like of the, the, you know, 
I'm not a hustle harder guy. I'm just a let's, we have to work and really do this. Yeah. Hustle harder is, you know, for me, it's young and hip, mm. but it's not real. Yeah. Like those people that might hustle harder are going to do it for like a, a year or two and then burn out and be like, oh my God. Yeah. I got to find happiness in my life. Whereas old school is like, you just work and you stop asking yourself silly questions like, am I happy? Does this mm. make me happy? What so, you're, is so you're not the Ram Das guy, I take no, it. No, yeah. no, no, because I don't think it's reality. I think happiness is a state of mind. Mm -hmm. And I think people should stop asking themselves that question and just get on with it. Oh. And I think we're all here for a pretty short period of time. So if you're going to spend three quarters of your life wondering if you're happy or not and not get off the pot. Right. You're going to waste a lot of time. Would you say that you're happy? Yeah. Yeah. Very. I mean, and because that's. I'm the... happy and miserable at the same time. And I think that is key. Why is that? Because if you're happy, like if you're continuously happy, you're really not achieving anything in your life. Your life is. Well, I mean, yeah, because it sounds like you're also connecting that that to be human is is more real. I mean, yeah, hence, yeah we're kind of pushing yeah, back on I social need, media. I need, some, right. I need some misery to balance to know when I'm happy. When was the last time you cried? When my office burned down. When did your office burn down? Six months ago. Yeah. Six months ago, I got on a plane from Dubai and was told it was a fire in my office. When I took off mm -hmm. and actually got in the air, I started getting very slowly bits and pieces of video that showed me that my office was burned down. And you know, when you're on a flight and yeah. Wi-Fi is terrible and yeah. you're like trying to see it and you're like, Argh! and then I was like, oh my God, there's water flooding into the, to the lobby. That means my office is gone. Yeah. So it went five floors down. Um, I got back and I tried to be inspirational to the team and I, everyone did an amazing job and, you know, we had to find another space to work at and all these shuffle patients, pe people's teeth burned up in the fire that were from all over the world that had to come back and start over and all these, you know, whatever. And sure. in perspective, it's not that big of a deal. No one was hurt. You know, everyone says that. Was anyone hurt? Thank God no one was hurt. It's like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah, that, that is the kind of- It is of, true. Yeah. It is true. Yeah. But at the same time, your office burned down. Yeah. You got you to gotta pivot. So we went to this temp space and I saw the temp space and my first patient came in and I went to the bathroom and cried my eyes out. Yeah. It just broke for a second, a couple minutes. I was sad. It's all right. Embrace it. I yeah. cry all the time. Yeah. I cried on the way here, believe yeah. it or not. I swear to God. Because you're like, I don't want to go to the dentist. No, well, <laughs> no I was, I, I think there's, what you're also kind of scratching at is I think it's more, it's more fun, that for lack of better term, to embrace humanity. And humanity is not what people are used to now on, say, social media, right? right. I mean, you have ups and downs. And, and for me, you know, I'm not going to get too personal here, but like for people that listen to the pod, have heard me say all sorts of stuff and just like, you know, um, wrestling with parenting and relationships and my own parents and that and when that happens you know and, and i think this is like the magic of podcasts and sometimes social media is there's an empathetic connection that's made because people are like oh yeah even though this guy's flying on planes and wearing dope cuccinelli and amazing watches he's still human he's 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 hurt and yeah. i and i've been hurt and yeah. now we can agree that when it when you're hurt it's bad <laughs> When you're hurt, it's bad. Yes. I, I have to tell you, okay, so here's the thing. I guess it's the way that I'm wired, mm -hmm. right? But I am, I am in my comfort in hurt. 
You're a peace and hurt or you're... I'm in my comfort zone. Like, I deal with it well. Yeah. Like, I'm a little... I get a little dark. Okay. When the lights go out. Yeah. It's true, though, because some people, like, I hate fake. Okay. I want real emotion. Okay. I want real connection. I hate or dislike um, small talk. I like real conversation. Mm-hmm. I will take a real conversation with a complete stranger or a real conversation with a friend over a super fun party where everyone has fun and does whatever their definition of fun is, where you have zero real conversations and learn nothing about anyone that you're hanging out with. So you've just been in LA for a long time, right? <laughs> no, you know, I'm. So, I, I, by the way, so, you know, my, my schedule, because of the offices everywhere, right. my schedule is very isolated, right? So mm-hmm. I have to be on for patience. Mm-hmm which is 99% of my energy. Mm-hmm. And then when I get home, it's usually in a different time zone, in a different place, and I have to rest to get up, to go to the gym, to go to work and be focused and deal with the pressures and problems that come every day with, um, with work. But if things are going too well for me, I'm the guy, like I'm Catholic and you know i have catholic guilt and if i'm walking across the street and everything's going well like i'm looking up for the piano to fall right so i'm more comforted when things are down because i know how to go up i'm a little more nervous and apprehensive when things are great cuz i'm waiting for them to fall and that is a tough thing to wrestle with but my point is is like i i you know, it's like Bane from Batman. Like, I, I, I'm good with the dark. Yeah. But it also sounds like you've had quite a bit of uh, mentorship or some sort of, somebody has kind of shown you this way. Because what, commun- what you're communicating is actually not a natural state of humanity. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think when, when the most valuable part and the most fun part mm-hmm. of being at this level in my profession is the people that I am fortunate enough to be in contact with in a very intimate personal environment for right. a long period of time, right? So the people that I'm treating for three, four hours at a time right. have done amazing things in life, right? And the fact that I get to have real honest conversations with them and then start relationships with them outside of the office is where I get my mentorship from. And no matter how old or how successful I ever am, it is in my nature to be inquisitive about someone who's done something else that I find admirable and take life lessons from it. So I've been mentored, but I'm also a continuous consummate student of life. Yeah. And I'm always watching and listening for the inspiration that I need and pull from to get me through to whatever the next part of my life is. Because for me, I feel like more of the impact of what you're doing is not so much like teeth and dental, right? Which is amazing. And I'm not belittling that in any way. Yeah, yeah. But the ability to communicate to others, like what to do when you're in it. Yeah. Right? Like, like cry. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and then also, I think, you know, from a 30,000 foot view, you've achieved nirvana. You got the practice, you got your name on the building, you got, you know, you're going everywhere. You're changing lives. You got you got your own toothbrush. You got your own drink. Yeah. But when that stuff sort of happens, there is there's an occasional ego thing that starts to happen unnaturally. And yeah. it sounds like like you doing everything you can to keep that ego in check. Yeah, and I, I think that is 
I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, and I'll talk to you about why I feel that way. Um, Charles Barkley, basketball player. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar. All right. Some people might not be. All right. Said, I don't want to be a role model. Mm-hmm. I'm not a role model. And it was a famous Nike campaign that went on forever. Yeah, yeah. Kim Olajuwon, his peer, got questioned that same question and said, I am a role model. And he explained that Charles likes to do things that he doesn't, he struggles with the two personalities that he has to be, which is one is a professional basketball player and two, a guy that loves to go out and do whatever he loves to do, which is probably not something for the youth to pick up on as a role model, right? Yeah, yeah. But the point is, is that someone might pressure him to cut out the second personality to only be the guy that's playing basketball and is respectable and force him to be a role model. And I think that when you force someone into uh, a way of living life, mm-hmm. you're going to get the worst of them. All right. So when I was young, I was probably a lot more confident for no reason. But I remember as a young kid being told all the time, like, you need to be more modest. You, you need to take it down a notch. You need to not be so like that has just been drilled and drilled and drilled into my head. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Because now I struggle with just being free of that roof that's constantly over my head of people telling me how I need to be. And sometimes it's dampened possibly what I could have been because I've listened to that so much. So that is ingrained in me, which is why I am the way I am, right? Everybody is the way they are for a reason. Family of origin. Yeah. 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 You can trace it back to childhood. Um, And that's something that I've actively had to try and fight and free myself from to be able to be myself. Like I'm a pretty confident guy, Mm -hmm. Um, but in my profession, I'm also a doctor. Right. And so you can't be, you know, confident, care about things like the way you present yourself and keeping a certain image, because then you're just an arrogant asshole dentist. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. So you fair. have to, t- you have to have a little humility to balance that. Um, so that, you know, to avoid as, as much as possible, what people can and can't say about you. How much of your life do you think is gone according to the plan that you wanted? <sighs> Everything and nothing. Well, because here's the thing. So I came here, I did get my teeth clean. Thank you, by the way. In- incredible. And I was like, I kind of hate going to the dentist. Yeah. And I did cry on the way here, but that's unrelated because I saw a picture of my daughter. But um, I was just like, you know, I've been going to these dentists for a while. And it's, it's funny because you think of like our current state of everything has to be disrupted. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. oh man, we got to change transportation. We got to change clothing. We're going to do 3D printing. We're going to do... And more or less, when you think of a lot of types of experiences, medical, uh, the medical experience of visiting any sort of doctor is, I would say, more or less unchanged, yes. right? Like the, the bedside manner. Yes. Right? Um, and now, you know, when you guys were here, I, and I hope it's okay that I say some of yeah. these details, yeah. because I was like filling out this form and it's like, well, do you want a blanket? And I was like, what the fuck? What are you asking me if I want a blanket? <laughs> I was just like, she's always cold. No. It's too cold in here. So no. I need to put that on. And so, you know, I was very caught off guard and I was like, oh, wait, I think I'm starting to get this in the sense that sometimes the way things are done are done so much that people stop trying to, to recognize that it could actually be done differently. Yeah. And the sense that I'm like, oh, wait, like you're totally trying to reinvent what it means to visit a dentist's office. 
Correct. And so I, I am curious on that because that is not something someone wakes out of bed, uh, wakes up from and says, this is how I'm going to change the world. Okay. So I, I actually love being a dentist and I love the craft and I am by nature, if you listen to all the things I said, I'm a pretty introverted guy, mm-hmm. um, which means I can get inside of my own head and the most comfortable part of my day is being in someone's mouth where they're disconnected. I'm disconnected from them and I'm just seeing them as teeth that I get to work on and create and craft, right? Right, right. Um, so I I loved dentistry long before I knew that it needed to be changed. Um, however, when when I met Larry, who started this practice. Rosenthal. Then, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I started to grow up in this environment, which is all foreign to me. New York City is foreign and all of its accoutrements, Dubai. I mean, I didn't have a passport until I was 30. Um, nice. So I never traveled outside of the United States. All those things. But when you start to see the world, mm-hmm. and I traveled a lot of the world um, from 30 until now, you start to see how big it is. And you start to see the things that work and don't work and the things that you have control over to change. And one of the things that I see is that everything around us is becoming better or different or unique, Mm -hmm. except for doctor's visits. Yeah. It's the same thing over and over and over. And it got so bad that at one point I thought about starting my own practice and I went and looked at medical spaces and there were these you know, you think like Fifth Avenue doctor's office, ground floor, and mm-hmm. you walk in and it's mm-hmm. like, wow. Yeah. How did he, he or she treat patients out of this space? Yeah. It's disgusting. And even the front desk and how you're greeted and here's a clipboard, so go sit down and fill it out. Like, there's just so much technology and so much that can be a doctor's visit that a lot of people associate with fear and pain and not wanting to go. Like, why not make it? enjoyable right like why do you go to get your hair cut and you'll wait six months for the person you want but to book a cleaning we we can't get it's hard to get anyone walking out of here to be like when do you want to book your next cleaning i don't know i'll check my schedule and get back to you right but if it was your hair appointment it's like but if you think about what happens in a salon it's a celebration of you Right, mm-hmm. it's a time for you to take care of yourself, and it's a celebration. In the end, everyone fusses. You look so good. Oh my god! In a doctor's office, it's like you got to pay and goodbye. And do you want me to submit that to your insurance? Like, right, it, right. But it should be the same thing. Like you're taking care of something that has as much impact on the way you look and feel about yourself as anything else. And so it should be altered. Yeah, I mean, it obviously it looks like it clearly has. Yeah, but like as you've been sort of navigating this stuff too. And I think this is, you know, kind of the neat thing where it's like you become this sort of this personality, yeah. you know, and this is where like this social stuff's coming in, the fit pick, yeah. you know. Um, and it's funny because I, I think on one hand, you know, you have, you have doctors and people that are like in the, the field who are interested in that. To be honest, full disclosure, my previous dentist for a very long time, I was not of, I, I couldn't afford it. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. And he was really into watches. And I was into watches. Yeah. And he was like, help me get some of these watches and we're just going to figure this out. Yeah. And I look around and I'm like, who's that thing on your wall? And he's like, oh, that's Warhol. And I was like, oh, how'd you get that? He's like, yeah, you know, I traded him. And yeah, it was pretty sick. But I was like, oh, this this concept of kind of like bartering yeah. was existing. Yeah. But also if this guy, he was very quiet about everything that he liked. Because he was also really concerned about the optics of it. And I think 
in a good way with you kind of, you know, I mean, I've literally watched Instagram stories where you are like gnashing, trying to work out and then, then the fit pick and everything's good again, being okay. And like being this sort of like personality, I truly think is also like connecting you deeper to other people. Yeah. But with that comes the reason that guy doesn't want to do that, which is the continuous hits that you have to take to be that person. Yeah, but I mean, and that's the thing is there's, well, it's just two different philosophies. One is I'm going to try to be quiet and happy. I don't know yeah. if he's happy. Yeah. And then the others is where you're more open about that. But I think regardless, well, you're still communicating the dynamics of how you navigate that. But, but the difference is, is, and what I'm saying, I'm not doing, I'm not living that quiet life because I feel like I can impact other people to get this change made, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to put myself out there for it. And I'm not Jesus Christ putting myself up on the cross. uh, Yes, clearly. But at the same time, yeah, of course, I could enjoy all the things that I enjoy. I could have, by the way, it's a decision that I have to continuously go through. I could have a quarter of the staff quarter mm-hmm. of the space mm-hmm. and make twice the money because my expenses are out of control because I'm trying to build something that creates disruption in dentistry to where it will change. And it already has. Mm-hmm. Like people's dental offices are much nicer and the environment that you walk into in name the city in the United States or abroad, there is a a, a bit of my um, touch on that. Like people seeing it and saying like, I should make my office nice. And so absolutely. And I will, I have proof of this. And so I see this. I, so I moved to St. Louis uh, after living in New York for a long time. And I was trying to find a dentist there and I find this dentist there, you know, some dental practices will work with like universities and they have kind of, I don't know, like a residency, forgive my ignorance on some of this. And this guy comes in and he's uh, doing dental stuff at like St. Louis University, uh, SLU, and he's talking about it. And he was on his, putting away his phone as he enters the room, but the audio of his phone kept playing and it was your voice. And I go, I was like, yo, are you listening to Dr. Appa? And he was like, yeah, how do you, do you know about this guy? And he's losing, I swear to God, this is not a single bit of exaggeration. He's like losing his mind telling me about and this is a guy in his mid twenties, I take it. I don't know wh- whatever age that you're, you know, finishing dental stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'm actually going to talk to him. And he was like, can I send you questions that I want to talk to this guy about? And what I think was is really cool is when you look at because you know primarily it's is a podcast about fashion and all this other stuff, but it's always more about people. And all he wanted to talk t- to you about was basically like pushbacks that you you know, could be or have been receiving as you like basically kind of eradicate a previous form of practice. But, you know, answer it or not, the fact that this young student who you've never met, I don't even know his name, which sorry, bro, um, but (laughs) was losing his mind watching these things like pre-gaming before he was coming in to tell me that I grind my teeth too much. Yeah. Okay. So um, it's a lot to digest. I understand. No, but listen. It, it, it is like, I am the target, right? For the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And when I say that I can live in the dark, not many people can. Mm-hmm. And that's why I guess I do it. But, <clears throat> you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, my life has fallen apart because I've, no, but I've gotten divorced, you know, like I had a wonderful wife, but 
for whatever reason, like there just isn't, you're either going to do this mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. And if you look at people that have changed industries, and I don't mean to be too grand because at the end of the day, look, it's just dentistry. But it isn't, it isn't, but that's okay. I understand what you're saying. If you look at people that have changed industries, there is some personal sacrifice that you have to go through to get to that place. And some people aren't willing, you know, when you ask the question all the time, am I happy? Like, yeah, of course. Like when I'm alone on a Sunday and I'm looking at people on Easter with their newborns and all that stuff, like, Mm -hmm. of course that creeps into your mind. I'm a human being. Right. But at the same time, I'm consciously making this decision for a reason. And by the way, this, at, at the same token, I'm getting speared a lot. Sure. So, and the unfortunate thing is human nature, you remember the 5% of crap that Mm -hmm. is said to you. And you forget the 95% of the good stuff a lot of times. And it takes a lot of like mental reminding yourself of like, all right, I am reaching people. And it's not my, it's not like I set out and be like, I am going to change dentistry. (laughs) No, I just got into it. And it's like anything. When you're passionate about your profession, you start to see what's wrong with it. And then, you know, I had an opportunity and I took it. Yeah. And then I pushed it. And then little by little, as people kind of put you on this pedestal, then you get to a point where like, I can't stop. I got to see this through. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to just retire. Sure. Um, And so you push it to the point of, you know, we have a lot of great ideas and plans because I think we're fortunate enough to be in that place. And by fortune, I mean, I've worked my ass off sure, yeah, hard yeah. enough. And obviously, I've gotten some doors open and things like that. But yeah, and I, and I, and I think that's a life well lived to me. And that's what makes me happy. <laughs> At the end of the day, everybody lives and dies and then is forgotten about. 99.999%. Like when we leave this earth, nobody's going to give a shit about me, you, or anybody else here in this room. And that's just a cold, hard fact. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sad, but it's true. Mm-hmm. But if I can leave a little tiny bit of a legacy that lives on, I've done my job. The guy who changed dentistry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, and, but one thing, it's a kind of like push back on this in a good way, is are you also trying to set yourself up to, there's another guy who is drinking Appa Aid at home with fond memories of some sort of nostalgic beverage. And that is, you know, you know, and he's navigating his life and he may not be comfortable in the dark, man or woman, they, whatever pronoun. Um, are you able to connect with them? And do you see that as like a bigger sort of thing to tackle? Because if, if you're able to imprint your philosophies upon others, then technically you will live on. And then this isn't, a, by the way, this isn't a hack of like, well, let's go full, you know, Plato no, here. But no, but the point is, is that there needs to be that front runner who, has to be able to live in the dark in order to pave the way. But right, once right. the way is paved, then the road is there. Yeah. And no, you don't need to live in the dark to travel my road. Yeah, yeah. I've already done it. Now you just get to, you know, it's like Kramer when <laughs> Seinfeld, <laughs> when he adopted a highway and put three lanes into two for extra. So luxurious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So, no, I think it, I think the people that it's impacting honestly is and my my goal for this mm-hmm. is for patient care mm. i mean i hope the doc the doctors have to be inspired to do it but once they change the paradigm the patients the people going in for doctor's visits will want to go in more and, right but do you think they're also like you know okay so say people saw this or they hear this or whatever are they is the goal to have them also communicate that upwards to their doctors and saying like I want an experience like this 
or do you hope that it works through the doctors and they're like, hey, I saw this and want to institute it across my patient? Both. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think you have to show proof of concept. Okay. Right? Yeah, fair. So if I wasn't successful in what I do, no dentist or doctor would give a crap about how much money I spend to create a beautiful office and experience and environment for my patients. Sure. But the proof of concept is a lot of people want me to treat them because I'm skilled mm-hmm. and because we have a wonderful environment. Right. So then the dentist or the doctor that sees that says, well, maybe if I make the wonderful environment, I will get patients to come to me as well. Right. But for whatever the reason, it's just going to change the experience. Like, mm. it doesn't matter the chicken or the egg. In the end, there will be a better experience. And I think it goes across all platforms of doctor's visits. Yeah. Because young doctors are on social media and they see it. And so I don't think it's just affecting dentists. And I right. know it's not just affecting dentists because I get it. I get physicians of all types contacting me all the time talking about this. Right. So I think that's the real point. Yeah. How are you kind of like disconnecting though to recharge? Because I know you, you're, you're a big watch guy. There's yeah. tons of people that listen to this that are huge watch nerds. Yes. You're wearing one of the most desirable watches in existence <laughs> on you your know, wrist. at random. This was not preconceived either. You mean preconceived for this meeting or Correct. like? Correct. Yeah. Do you, do you travel with like a watch roll? Yeah. Yeah. What, what is, what's, what's your top three? It depends on and where. And you can go reference numbers, by the way, whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it depends on where I'm going and, and what I'm doing, right? So if it's more of like sporty. Yeah, sure. Or, or work. Um, I think I have a couple of cool, cool Rolexes that work with, with casual wear, which I never liked. I have the, I don't even know the reference numbers of them, but the new version of the Hulk, which is the green one, which they don't make the, the Hulk anymore. And then the new, the new champagne one that they don't make the <clears throat> Pepsi one anymore or whatever it was. Right. How, how did you get connected into watches? Because I think there's, you know... All right. Do you want to hear a great story? Go off. When I was an associate my first year out of dental school, mm-hmm. I had a fake A. Langenstone. And the dial oh. size was 44 millimeters, and they don't yeah. make a 44 don't make them millimeter that big, yeah. A. Langenstone. So I wore it to work. Did you know it was fake? I knew it was fake, but I didn't know that it was obviously fake. Okay. 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 I didn't know enough about watches to know, like, this watch does not exist. Sure. So I'm sitting treating a patient, and he's an interesting guy, mm-hmm. to say the least. And he looked over, and he's like, why are you wearing a fake A. Langenstone? And I was like, oh, man, it just, like, my heart sank. <laughs> so fast forward, I end up, like, working on him and become very close with him. And he's a, he's a mystical guy, yeah, to say the least. And um, I went to Dubai, and he must have come in for a cleaning. And he said, I left you a gift at the front desk. And so I forgot, got back. You Nobody told me anything. And I didn't ask because I forgot that left me a gift because I never, I, I didn't know what it, I didn't think it was what it was. And um, he texts me like two weeks later. He's like, did you get the gift I, I left you? And I'm like, oh shit, no. Let me ask my front desk. I said, did you leave a gift? And they're like, oh yeah. And out of one of the cabinets at the top in like a really not fancy watch case, they give me this watch and it's a real A. Langenstone. But it was the fake one that I had on my wrist, but the oh, real version of it. Corrected. Yes. In the real size, obviously. Yeah. Um, and that's when I started to get, look, there's not much men can wear to make themselves feel good mm-hmm. other than, you know, a watch, maybe sunglasses, and then your clothes. Right, right. right. I'm not a sneaker head or whatever they're called, like the LA guys. You're right, sneaker head, yeah. Um, 
but I am like a fabrics guy and a watch guy. Yeah. And yeah, Brunello and and a couple of Pateks and and I just recently got into Rolexes are what I like. So the the fun thing about all this stuff too is where like, well, and some people hate it, but like the fact that it's incredibly, incredibly difficult to get any watch like to walk in. Yes. Everyone requires sales history. Um, and obviously it's a this like catch twenty two. You can't buy anything if you never are able to establish sales history. But also, you know, specifically with what you're wearing, which is a, a version of the of the Nautilus, yes. like those have just become like so crazy now that now like you walk out the store and they're worth four and five X. Um and I, I say that in the sense that like I, so I have, uh, whatever, I have this Explorer on, but then I've, on the side, I'd always been like collecting and helping other people buy watches. And you've watched like all of these Pateks just like totally go through the roof. Yeah. So were you in on this early or were you, have you been kind of like, you know, like how long ago did you, did you start to get into watches? So first of all, the first couple of watches that I bought and I used to love them were IWCs. I got my first Patek. Okay. Right? Just because I love the watch. And mm-hmm. The woman that it was a jewelry dealer that got it for me said, these are very hard to get and you got it. This based- is in Dubai? I was in New York. Okay. And you got it at list price, which is rare. And I had no idea what that meant. And that was probably eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Now that is a watch that I think maybe list price was $50,000. I've seen it at $250,000. Yeah. I mean, it is substantially changed. Yeah. And that got me interested. Because I, I was always a nice watch guy, but it, it was, you know, this was pre-art and pre-Ferrari and things like, because both of those things, also you have to buy a lot to be invited to buy the special one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's you like you want to get- club. Yeah. You got to spend a ton and then hopefully Tiffany will let you buy a Tiffany dial. Or, right. Yeah. Right, right. So then I started like really digging in. And like anything in life, I always feel that there is an answer to a question that most people will just be like, oh, well, I can't get that. So when I started really wanting watches, I went to the same guy Mm -hmm. who gave me the- An insider. And And he said, there's a woman at a watch store, I'm not going to say the name, that um, basically deals with all the VIPs that allocates where these watches go. And I will introduce you to her. And then- she came here and actually interviewed me. Oh, yeah. Because, and I, that's so that is something that is unique to everyone, but obviously, like, it, that is their policy for most. Yeah. Patek Philippe. And obviously, this goes back to the Stern family and Theory yes. Stern. It's, and some of this is to one, ensure you're not going to immediately go and flip it. Correct. Uh, so that was really thoroughly went through <laughs> on, on this, on this interview. And, and then other parts of it is like they, you know, they want to, know that their watches go to people that are fans of it. Correct. Uh, I would say like, yeah, that this is, they just wanted to go to the cool people. Yeah. Like, to be honest with you. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, I totally. Yeah. Yeah. But it is that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate, but like, there's the life lesson. That's the way the world works. <laughs> right. So, but you can be a cool person if you want to. Yes. You can invent yourself as a cool person. Some people choose not to because it doesn't make them happy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, she came and interviewed me. And then, you know, I have a little bit of charm. So I charmed her into every watch that I wanted. And I just kept getting one after another to where the guy, Paul, was like, how are you getting all these watches? And I got them. And then I hired her as the CEO of this company. Of this company? Of this company. Holy shit. Yeah. And she's here now. Yeah. It's pretty cool, huh? That's actually incredible. 
She's a brilliant businesswoman that understood our market and came from a background of taking companies public. Anyone that works within like the Swiss watch sales industry, it's the turnover there doesn't really exist. Correct. So that also goes to show that she must have been all in on what you were doing for someone to correct completely jump verticals. Yeah. That's huge. It's huge. Wow. It's a grab. Well, hopefully there's no new watches that are coming out because I think you lost well, no, your source. No, we, yeah, no, no. <laughs> we, we did it in a very, like, in a very clean way. Sure, sure. And um, yeah, we still have the, the pipeline to the, to the people. Yeah, that's, so that's good. That's incredible. It's incredible. It's a gift. Yeah. But you know what is interesting? Like, I fought since I was 30 years old to buy cars, to buy Ferraris, and it's, it's murder in that industry to try and get certain cars uh, that you want, right? You really, I mean, politics is huge. Right, right. And, um, you know, I had a friend who, you know, Silicon Valley friend who took a company public and obviously made a very decent sum of money. Sure. And he's, uh, you know, a bit of a celebrity, like, you know, Shark Tank and all that other stuff. And, um, He's, he wasn't into cars and he knew nothing about them. And he asked me, he's like, I want to get a Ferrari. What, what one should I get? I'm like, well, you know, let me know and I'll call my guy. I mean, the next minute he had the president of Ferrari on an emails with us choosing whatever car he wanted, right? So it's tough, but I understand the route that it takes to build up from a 30-year-old kid who had, you know, I came from nothing, who had no money and was buying like used Ferraris to try and build up to get invited to buy the nice ones versus guys who are important in life and make a phone call and they have the CEO of Ferrari on the other line. Yeah. And get whatever they want. Why does it feel dirty to talk about this in today's world? Um, it's a great question. I think that there were, we've never, the truth is the wealth gap has never been bigger in history. Yeah. yeah. Except unless we're going to go back to um, early, I don't know, Rockefeller, right? So, yeah. I mean, he was, obscenely wealthy but the ability to broadcast that didn't exist yeah nobody knew how how rich rockefeller was he didn't even know how rich he was right yeah, but look at what these guys did did you ever watch that series the men who built america oh absolutely dude i i just i just finished reading cherno's uh book about jp morgan and i also yeah. just read yeah. titan which is rockefeller stuff yeah like that they're I mean, talking about changing the world yeah i mean they were figuring out how to use steel to build bridges so that we could cross the country. I mean, and, and some of it you have to, you know. But with noble intents, evil can, can come out in yeah. the sense that, you know, Rockefeller, for example, more or less was totally, he thought he was driven by God to make as much money as possible so he could give it away. But at the cost at what he was achieving to make as much money as possible he was totally oblivious and maybe okay with the fact that it was oppressing the you know millions of people in yeah. the meantime. But he was like, no, 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 I got this. I'm going to make all this money. You guys just keep. And also, monopolies were very much a thing. Yeah, I mean, and you can. This is obviously we we are not do not need to go down this rabbit hole. But like, monopolies are becoming more and more of a thing, specifically if you're getting into the tech side. Yeah, you know, and yeah. That, yeah. Um, but the point is, is, is that these are some of the things, and I, again, I feel dirty even saying it, but these, some of these things, yeah, I enjoy them. Well, yeah, but there's nothing wrong with enjoying any of that stuff. Like, I, I feel like sometimes people that achieve levels of success become 
Yeah, I literally was doing a podcast earlier today with a friend of mine, um, and we were talking about we both wrestle with OCD tendencies of owning certain things because of based on our background or based on how owning the thing sets us apart. We feel that we need to justify the ownership based on the knowledge of it. Does that make sense? In the sense that like, no, 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 no. Like, well, yeah, I do own this Explorer, but I can tell you all about it and all the different references and then yeah. I went from this and yeah. this and this. And because I know that, like now it feels okay for, for you guys to know that I own it, right? Yeah. Versus like, no, I, I like it and I have it. Yeah. And th- that's a very different mindset. And I think specifically if you come from a background similar to mine, one, I make a living by people literally paying me to talk. Yeah. I try to be cautious of some of the optics of that. Because generally, people want you to do well, but never better than them. Correct. But I think that's also a mindset that occurs when it tends to come from people who may not have come from as much means, but also um, maybe have some form of religious upbringing about being humble is the key to being successful. Yeah. Well, I mean, the only thing I would say to that is is that... I think a lot of that is forced on from societal pressure. Being mm-hmm. humble is the key to being successful. Yeah. And I think going back to the Charles Barkley thing, I think we have to allow ourselves to be who we are as people. That was the point of that story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes people aren't humble. And, you know, but they, they don't have to be in your face, pardon my language, douchebag. Yeah. Right? But at the same time, they don't have to feel guilty and hide it. Like, which is the mentality that I grew up with. Right. right. You uh, should not show people. You, you should fly. In, I mean, things I can hear ringing in my head. Fly under the radar. Don't be too showy. Uh, take it down a notch. You know, uh, be humble. Uh, yes, I agree. But at the same time, like, I'm also not telling people every day how hard I work. I mean, you don't get to a level of success without all of the other stuff that comes along with it. And you have to be able to deal with that. And I think that is the reward and why you should be able to feel okay enjoying it. Yeah. That's my two cents. Quick questions. Yes. If you were making a YouTube how-to video, what would it be? How to shape teeth. How to shape teeth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Last movie you saw. Okay. Last documentary I saw, which I guess is a movie, um, was uh, Until the Wheels Fall Off, the Tony Hawk story. Oh really good yeah yeah did you skate i did yeah i had i had um aspirations of being a professional skateboarder we got to get more time (laughs) (laughs) which by the way also tells a lot about the person because if you ever skated yeah i skated you want to hear my knees yeah (laughs) but you're you're then you got the darkness in you because skateboarding it you're there yeah like the artsy like no, I don't get along with anybody. I don't, I'm not on the football team, so I'm a skateboarder. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never scored a point in anything. Yeah. yeah. That's, but that's what skateboarders are, and that's okay. <laughs> um, last album you heard? Uh, the last thing I listened to was George Harrison, Greatest Hits Collection. Okay. Yeah. You're a George guy. Yeah, huge George guy. Also Thanks. an amazing documentary on his life. Yeah. Suppressed creative. Yes. Um, last thing, a movie or a book? That when someone mentions, you feel that they understand you. The hard thing about hard things. Well, yeah. What's that about? Other than the title, um, it's about uh, Ben book? Horowitz's. Yeah, it's a book. It's Ben Horowitz's um, rise through Silicon Valley and all the struggles he went through to be successful in business. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. 
But this is this has been really, really, good. really good. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Okay. Um, well, thank you. Thank 100%. you so much. We'll, we'll do this again. Okay. All right. See ya. And yes, we did. Stay tuned for a bonus uh, part two dropping at a later date. Be sure to subscribe to Blamo so you don't miss any new episodes. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever you do when you like stuff. Come on. You can always email me at info at blamopod.com. And uh, thanks again for listening. Our pod is edited by Amar Lal, and our theme music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. If you want to connect with us deeper, you can join us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash blamo, where we have tons of exclusive episodes. We do AMAs with guests. We have special limited series and our amazing, incredible Slack group where tons of other listeners like you chat about clothes and a bit of everything. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.